Our God and Father, this morning we've sung the words, this is how I fight my battle, or battles. This is how, God, by being submitted to your word and learning from you, by coming together and communing with you and your people, by worshiping you and taking the focus off ourselves, by sitting under the authority of your Holy Spirit speaking through your through your word. God, this is how we fight our battles. We were reminded last week that the weapons we fight with are spiritual, not physical. And Lord, we thank you for the example we'll look at this morning that makes that uber practical as we start to walk out what it means to be a church committed to you and committed to each other. So God, would you be gracious to us? Would you be clear to us? Would you help each person to hear this message as if it were only for them, as you teach them? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before I read from Ephesians 6, I do want to give a little bit of definition around the idea of unusable. What do we mean by unusable? Well, it's not uncommon in our culture and certainly with its religious or secular contexts to kind of uh, deem someone uh, unusable or to disqualify them uh, for any variety of reasons. Within the larger culture and over human history, people are disqualified for things like their gender or their ethnicity or any number of cultural factors. In the caste system, there's disqualifications based on where you rank socioeconomically. Uh, Age can be a reason of disqualification. Within the body of Christ, or even just generally religious circles, often it's uh, the nature of past mistakes or current struggles or baggage that we disqualify people, or maybe it's that you disqualify yourself. Even growing up in this church, kind of the tone of, uh, you know, when we've, we've talked recently about worship, serve, give, grow, when we talk about serve, the tone of this church when I was growing up was sort of like, hey, uh, you want to serve, and, and as we kind of vet people, we're almost looking for a reason to disqualify them, rather than saying, where can we find a place that God can use their journey, their experience? to be in service to the larger body of Christ. Certainly there are things in our lives, if you're in a place where you're, you know, unrepentant in something you've done wrong, you don't care, well, yeah, there's a reason that you, uh, and I speak for myself, if that's where I was, that I shouldn't serve. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about sort of these judgy tones and attitudes that we have, and as we encounter these people in Scripture, we're going to see a lot of the different reasons that we perhaps disqualify ourselves and maybe others that we say that, I or they are unusable. And so the stories are not about the greatness of particular people, but the greatness of a God who, who puts people back together, who lifts them up, dusts them up, covers them with his blood, and then uses them, even redeems the hardships, sin, uh, you know, just challenges of our lives for his good. We said in the past that our God is a God who can take minus plus minus and somehow get positive. It's just who he is. It's what he does. It's not, it's math that doesn't work for anybody but him. I was talking with someone this week who was just struggling in a particular area or has been historically, and God is using that, the redemption of that struggle to help other people who are kind of early in the same season. This is what God, what God does. So I want to do that this morning by looking at, in this case, it is a fringe character from the scripture, Tychicus. Tychicus, it'd be interesting to do a show of hands. We won't. How many of you have heard of Tychicus? He's a companion of Paul's. And we want to kind of grab onto this idea that obscurity does not equal unusableness. 
Now, Tychicus is admittedly, a, a, again, a fringe or sort of marginal character, at least in terms of our knowledge of him. So, that's, we're getting this idea of obscurity. And no, I didn't just pick Tychicus because it's fun to say, although it is. Tychicus reminds me of a movie, Francisco. Francisco. Some of you know exactly what we're talking about. It's the movie Elf, okay, uh, with Will Ferrell. But Tychicus, beyond being fun to say, he models this idea that obscurity does not mean unusable. So I'm convinced that there are people in this church who have spiritual giftings or skills or talents that either you're marginalized because we don't know about those things yet, you haven't been looped into relationship and opportunity, or maybe even more likely, you've kind of excluded or disqualified yourself for any number of a variety of reasons. And so we'll kind of draw the application a little broadly to say obscurity does not mean that you're un- unusable as we look at the life of this fellow companion of Paul. So Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to um, really conclude the chapter. Paul has just finished what we looked at last week, to take on the, uh, put on the full armor of God, and he ends the letter this way. He says, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. And then he ends this way. He says, peace to the brothers and sisters in love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul speaks of this person, Tychicus. In Acts chapter 20, verse 4, we have the first occurrence of his name in a list of names. It says that he, the apostle Paul, was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy, Tychicus, and Trophimus from the province of Asia. Excuse me for me to say. Province of Asia. So there's this group of of men in in particular that are gathered around uh, Paul. And Paul begins in Ephesians 6. We're going to look at three things that uh, Tychicus is from Ephesians 6 in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. Number one, he's beloved. Tychicus is beloved. Note that it's not just that he is of good repute or he's well thought of, but he's, in some of your versions will say he's dearly loved. He is a brother. There's a a fraternal thing going on here. It's a special relationship amongst uh, Paul as he endorses this person. He's faithful. He's a faithful brother. He's also, or I'm sorry, he's beloved. Nice segue to our next point. He's also faithful. Tychicus is faithful. Uh, Colossians chapter 4 verse 7 mirrors almost the exact same language except for Paul says that he's a faithful minister and fellow servant. So we know from Colossians that Tychicus is a, a minister, a pastor uh, in, in, with Paul, but he is also um, a, a servant, a fellow servant, a co-laborer. So he's beloved, he's adored by Paul and his companions, and he's known to be faithful. And we'll look at the, the ministry of his life in a moment. But third thing is that he's in good company. Tychicus is beloved, he's faithful, but he's also in good company. And Paul lists here in uh, Acts chapter 20 several of his companions, one of whom is Tychicus. It's not all of Paul's companions. There's Eubulus and Pudens and just all kinds of really cool names to say. Uh, and there's a whole host of, of women that are part of Paul. But this is sort of the traveling troop of those that are preaching and teaching and doing ministry together. Now, there's two, 
two in this list, Sopater and, and Secundus, that we don't, we don't know beyond this particular scripture. But as we look, as we look at the whole company of those who traveled with Paul and with Tychicus, uh, folks like Aristarchus, Gaius, and Trophimus, we actually collectively can learn a lot about, about this group and what they were about. These three men are mentioned in places like certainly multiple places in the book of Acts, but also in Colossians and Philemon and Romans and 1 Corinthians and 3 John and 2 Timothy. And, and these are men who, who preach the word along with Paul, who in some cases perform miracles, in other cases are driven out of cities and on the run with him and being persecuted with him. And in the case of Aristarchus, are also fellow prisoners with Paul. And Tychicus is a part of that group, not to mention Timothy, right? Timothy is one of Paul's young protégés whose two letters that Paul writes to him are part of our New Testament. Tychicus is in good company. This is a godly group of ministers and, and preachers and pastors, those doing the work of God and bravely communicating the gospel in the ancient world in the first century. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us bad company corrupts good character. This is kind of the reverse principle of that, right? The, the, the good company of which Tychicus is a part teaches us a little bit or helps us understand a little bit more about him and his character as we kind of piece it together. You know, I was thinking about that this week in light of the, the troop or, or company that we keep, right? Who's, who's your group? Like, who do you hang with? Maybe your people look like this. Maybe this is kind of represents who you hang out with. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know what your group, who are your people? Maybe it's the moms that you meet with every week at the playground and you pray with and you spend time with. Or maybe it's the guys, and I know I'm being a little gender stereotypical here, but maybe it's the guys that you golf with. Or maybe it's the families that you have over routinely to just break bread, you know, have meals together, share together bear each other's burdens. What does your group look like? Because the people, the company that you keep says something about you, and you being a part of that says something shapes them, right? And I wonder, would it, would it be comfortable for you if one of the pastors, if Zach or I said, hey, we're going to come hang with your, your crew today, would you be like, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> or if we were to ask your group about you, what would they say? Would they say, ah, oh, they're beloved, they're faithful, they're a great part of this group. What does the company we keep say about us? When we were, as our kids were growing up, uh, we really encouraged them to have friends that didn't know Jesus, have non-believing friendships, get to know people in your life who think and believe differently than you. But we also encourage them that your two or three closest friends need to know and love Jesus. Both things should be at place in our lives. Tychicus kept, kept good company. So he's beloved, he's faithful, he's in good company. He's also dependable and on mission. Paul says really pr pretty clearly in Ephesians 6, he says, I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, this reason, to let you know how, you, how we're doing, essentially, and to encourage your hearts. Colossians 4, 7, I've referenced this earlier. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant, will tell you all the news about me. Tychicus spoke 
on Paul's behalf and in his stead. He had this sort of ambassador-like role in Paul's life where Paul would send him to represent himself, how he was doing personally, what the ministry needs were, how the group was doing, what was happening in the, in the churches, giving updates. And he was entrusted to speak the word authoritatively and clearly uh, in Paul's absence and in his stead. He's a spokesperson, so to speak. But it's more than that. Titus 3.12 says, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis because I have decided to spend the winter there. Paul speaking to Titus here. In first, 2 Timothy 4 says, I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. It appears that Tychicus was actually sent to the island of Crete where Titus was a young pastor trying to set this church in order. If you were part of men's and women's Bible study last year, we learned a lot about Titus. Tychicus or Artemis, to be fair to the text, is sent there to kind of relieve Titus so that he can come to Paul at Nicopolis. And it appears this also happens in the case of Timothy. Timothy, you'll remember, is Paul's true son in the faith, the one he had really adopted and poured into. And Timothy's been installed in the city of Ephesus and pastoring the church there. It appears that Paul, at different times, brings Titus and Timothy back to be with him for greater equipping and discipleship, but also mutual encouragement and sweet fellowship. And the person who goes to kind of cover for them in an itinerant way to hold down the fort in pastoring those churches in Crete and Ephesus is Tychicus. He's on mission. He's beloved. He's faithful. He's dependable. He's on mission, providing relief for Timothy and Titus. I said this morning that it's sort of like the uh, unspoken week seven or continuation of our covenant partnership series in, in at least a couple ways. Number one, we began with the conclusion of Ephesians 6. Number two, as we're talking about obscurity and usefulness this morning, we're really applying the truths about being a covenant community in a niche kind of really practical way. And so I want to process a little bit, and you can do these on your own later, but it's just sort of process out loud some practical questions, questions for reflection for us to think about in light of learning from this dear brother in the faith, Tychicus. First question is this, am I a reliable spokesperson or representative of those that I serve under? It doesn't have to just be in the church. Reflect on your role as any subordinate role that you have. Are you a reliable employee? Can you speak on behalf of your supervisor? If need be, and probably many of you have done this, maybe you haven't, but if, if put to the test, could you represent that person that you serve under in a, in a trustworthy manner? Second question, am I a dependable person to bear the responsibility of others? More than just being a spokesperson, can, can I shoulder a load for someone else? Again, a broader sphere than just in a church context at work, maybe here in your role at the church or other people that you work with within your family. If you're a young person this morning, in your role in the family, can you bear the responsibility of a parent, for instance, stepping in and, and, and standing for them and, and serving in a way that they normally do? Are you able to do that? Am I a dependable person bearing the responsibility of others? Finally, am I a refreshing person? providing relief to those in need of a break. Do you have a sensitivity for that? What's sort of inferred in what we're learning about Tychicus is that he had a sensitivity or at least an availability to be the guy that Paul sort of picked to go and relieve Timothy and Titus, for instance. 
Where in your sphere of influence have you or could you possibly relieve someone for a season who's tired, overworked, emotionally spent, and just needs a break? Am I a reliable representative, a dependable burden bearer, if you will? Am I a refreshing person? I wonder how you did answering those questions, just kind of in your own head. And again, you can reflect on them more later. But if you answered yes to two or three of those, praise God, God is using you. Even if you might have sort of in your own, own mind said, well, I, I don't teach a Sunday school class or I don't, I don't have a big platform. If you're doing these things, God's using you. Conversely, if you answer no to two or three of these questions, it doesn't mean it's over. Like, this is why we gather, you know, why on earth do we spend 30 minutes looking at the life of a fringe character in the Bible in 2022, if not to learn something of how through faith in Jesus Christ we can learn from this person and glean valuable lessons for our life. So if you answered no, let Tichkis be an inspiration for you to be faithful, be dependable, be on mission, be looking for and being sensitive to the opportunities to relieve others in your sphere of interest. Last question is this. Am I a faithful representative of Christ? This doesn't mean uh, perfect, but am I on mission for God? And what might that look like? You know, last week we kind of moved in our conclusion to the service, and we talked about uh, in our commitment to each other as a church and our commitment to the Lord Jesus about mission, vision, values, and partnership, those four things. Well, we could apply those more broadly in some of these areas we talk about outside of the church. How are you reflecting the Lord Jesus Christ to your world, your sphere of influence? How are you doing that through either equipping other Christians and, and investing in them or enfolding other people into your life who are, who are hurting and broken? I can think of several families in this church who routinely take in people who are in trial, either for just a meal or sometimes to live with them for a season. That's living this out. How are you an encouraging presence? How do you do that through the values of thinking the best of others, pursuing solutions, keeping short accounts in your life, not letting bitterness or anger fester and, and, uh, and grow in your hearts? And how are you doing that in, in partnership relationships and in, in commitment to one another? Tichkis serves as an example for us. And as we talk about the idea of, of obscurity and not having a huge platform and just being faithful, kind of behind the scenes, uh, I was reading a great book over the last six weeks during our series on Covenant Partnership, and it was handed to me by a woman uh, here at the chapel that I deeply respect. It's called Love Your Church. And it's kind of the perspective of the congregant and eight principles and things that, that we can be doing as, as fellow congregants to, to kind of uh, reflect the kind of unity that Christ calls us to. Near the end of the book, he's talking about this idea of obscurity and, and serving uh, quietly and faithfully. And he does so through the lens that the author Tony Morita talks about um, the spread of the gospel in the early church through the city of Antioch. That early in Christianity's spread, as Paul and Barnabas went to Antioch, Antioch was this extremely diverse place in language, culture, and ethnicity. And God, of course, strategically and providentially picked such a place. And these evangelists go to Antioch, and the gospel begins to spread around the known world at that time. But here's the fascinating thing. These, these evangelists come from places like Cyprus or North Africa and other places. And, and listen, to, well, I'll, let you, I'll let you read or hear his words. He says this, he says, some men from Cyprus and Cyrene came to Antioch and preached the good news also to the Hellenists, that is, Greek-speaking people. 
these courageous and uh, trailblazing evangelists began spreading the message of Christ among the Gentile unbelievers. And so the gospel spreads, but he asks the question, why is this unimportant? He goes on, he says, we don't know who these Christians were. The New Testament doesn't tell us. Even though this outreach effort in Antioch would change the world, we don't even know their names. Unknown Christians really can make a difference, and unknown Christians are never unknown to Christ, whose verdict on us matters most. The most important people in the church aren't always the most recognized. Obscurity does not mean unusable. And I wonder, where is the place that God has planted you that you've been faithful? What are the lies of the evil one that you've believed that you don't matter, that your contribution to the kingdom is irrelevant? And I hope this morning, I pray, that the encouragement from the life of Tychicus is faithfulness, being a beloved part of the group, being dependable, and being on mission for Christ is what's being asked of us. There's one other big lesson from the life of Tychicus, and it's an inferred lesson as we look at uh, you know, the, those other companions as his, as we look at Paul, as we look at the New Testament, as we look at the full counsel of Scripture, and it's this. It's Tychicus doesn't have this role, these responsibilities, and, and, and exhibit these, these attributes and qualities because he tried really hard, and he, he worked harder, and he, uh, you know, tried to sort of drum that up in himself. He has this reputation because not of his work, but because of God's work in him through surrender through dependence on Him, through an active relationship with Christ. We know that at least intuitively. Because Tychicus had a relationship with the one who is the faithful one, the beloved one, the dependable, obedient one, the one who was on mission, Jesus Himself. It's Tychicus' association with Christ that allows him to be this kind of person. And that's what it takes for us, is to just submit and to be dependent on Christ day in and day out. Jesus is the beloved. God the Father says of him in Matthew's gospel, here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom, listen what God says of his son, in whom I delight. Jesus is the beloved. Jesus is the faithful one. Hebrews 3 tells us that he was faithful to the one who appointed him. Later in the chapter, it says he was a faithful son to his father, Jesus Christ. Thirdly, Jesus is the obedient servant. Philippians 2 tells us he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So ultimately, as we look at any biblical character, as we glean from them, we should ultimately see Christ through them. This morning, as we take communion, we're going to do that explicitly. 